1: So, without further ado, let me bring today's message to you. It's called Being Imitators of Christ. Jesus Christ is both Lord and Savior of you and me. He's both our Savior and the Lord of how life ought to be lived by you and me. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that our Lord and Savior Jesus is also the firstborn of many brothers. He's our elder brother, and we are his many brothers. He was the firstborn of many brothers, who's supposed to show all the other brothers who follow him how to successfully represent the Father. Because without him, we won't know how to correctly represent the Father. Firstborn are supposed to be the leaders, the trailblazers. Firstborns are supposed to lead the way so that all the other brothers that follow can also go in the right way. The same way that Jesus represented the Father is the same way that we're supposed to represent him too. Our big brother Jesus shows us how to represent the Father the way God the Father wants all of us to do That includes representing him in our conduct, representing him in our speech, representing him with the proper attitudes and with the proper actions too. We're supposed to be imitators of our Father in all these things, and Jesus will show us how to do what God wants us to do properly, like he plans for me and you to do. We're all supposed to be imitators of Christ. So, without further ado, let me share today's message with you. It's called being imitators of Christ. But before I do, I got a question to ask you. Are you ready for the word? Because we're ready and here it
2: comes. Romans chapter five, verse five. It says, and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Notice that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. He didn't just say love was shed abroad in our heart. He said the love of God, which means that the same love that God has is what he sheds abroad in your heart by way of the Holy Ghost when you get born again. The day you got boned again, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He shed something abroad in your heart. What did he shed abroad in your heart? The love of God, which is the same love that Jesus walked into this earth with because he had a love for God. He had the love of God all up on the inside of him. In fact, he was the manifestation of the love of God. He was the walking, talking personification of the manifestation of the love of God. And he said, "I want you to have that same thing too." So what does he do? He sheds it abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. I love that word, shed. The word shed right there means gushed out. He gushed out the love of God for me and you. I mean, gushed out the Word of God for me and you. Now you ain't used to stuff gushing out. So let me show you an example of gushing out. Praise God! And like uh, that brother right there told me, he said, "Pastor, could I have a drink of water, please?" Say, stand up, say that real loud, please. Hey, Pastor, can I have a drink of water? Sure. Hold up your cup, brother. I'd be glad. Uh, you got it? You ready? Yes, sir. Then I went back in the back and get a fire a fire hose nozzle. You ready? Yes, sir. That's gushing it out. I didn't just pour it out. He didn't say I poured it out in your heart. He said I gushed it out. Now after I did that, the son take him and hit him and hit him with it again. Praise God. Some of y'all say, well, that's just too much. I didn't say you say it. I said, that's what you say. Come on, run with me now. Praise God. Don't be trying to take over my message. Praise God. I'll tell you what to say when to say it. Praise God. I said, some of y'all might say, might say, keyword, might say, might say, that's too much. But that's the point. Is that God's trying to give you more than enough of what you need to succeed. God doesn't eke it out, squeak it out, or barely just pour enough out for you to have what you need to succeed. God He 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 gushes it out to you to make sure you got more than enough. Everybody give him a hand as he's sitting down all wet and gushed out on. Him. Praise God. <laughs> God gives you more than enough because he knows what you're going to run into. He knows what you're going to face and he knows what you're going to have to deal with. So he provides you more than enough to make sure that you have the stuff to be able to win and succeed at what he wants you to see. I love that about God. God is the God of more than enough. He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough, which means he's going to provide you more than what you need to succeed. So that means you got no excuse for succeeding because you had everything that you needed to succeed. I don't have that. You you got it. (laughs) Because God made sure that it was gushed out to you. See, to make sure we're successful at living the life that he wants us to live, he gushed out into our hearts the same motivation that Jesus had who lived the life that he lived. The same motivation that Jesus had in life, he gave us that same motivation in life so that we could be motivated to do the information that we hear. Not just hear it but not really be motivated to do it, but hear it and be motivated to do it. See, Jesus loved flat out. Jesus loved flat out. He loved the father, loved him with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind, loved him all the time. And he loved his brethren, Praise God. And those are two reasons why it is that he did not sin. Reason number one, because he loved the father with all his heart and all his soul and all his mind because he knew every sin I sin is going to be a sin against my father. And so because of that, I love my father way too much to be going out like that. So because of that, my love for my father keeps me from doing any of that. And he loved us too much. He knew that he was sent on a mission to be able to deliver me and you. And that if he do one thing and do one thing that God told him not to do, then he would not accomplish the mission that God gave him to do. And he saw you as too valuable. The Bible says in the book of Philippians that he endured the cross and despite the shame. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. He saw you, the joy. He saw every woman and boy up in this place before him. And he saw you and he said, you are too valuable for me to be able to go out and do something I ought not do. You mean way too much to me to be able to turn around and jack this up so I can be able to have my moment or two of glee. He said, you mean way too much for me for me to be able to lay down what I'm supposed to do to do somebody I ain't supposed to do so that I can be able to get up later and act like I didn't do nothing but miss out on the opportunity to do what the father want me to do. No, he love you way too much like that. Just like me. I'm a pastor that loves his congregation. Praise God. And I'm a pastor that love God. That's one of the reasons why you ain't never got to worry about me being up in the middle of no, 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 no stupid stuff or no, no, no uh, uh, controversy and stuff like that. Oh, no, not me. Why? Because I love God way too much and I love you way too much. Praise God. I would never let you have my name come up before you having to explain some stupid stuff that I did. No, I know I love y'all way too much for that. So because of that, they don't make them fine enough. Are you listening to me? And they don't print enough dollars enough for me to be able to do nothing like that because I love you way too much for that. Because love has a characteristic about it which will will do some awesome things for you. I say awesome things for you to be able to allow you the opportunity to be able to make sure you do what you're supposed to do. See, it was Jesus' love for his father and his brother that kept him from sinning. And it's your love for the father as well as your brother that's going to keep you from sinning too. I'll show it to you. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Come on, have an ear to hear what the Lord is saying to you today. Of course, this is coming out of the epistle called 1 John which many theologians call the epistle of love. It's, it's called the epistle that teaches about the fellowship of love, that if you're going to fellowship with love, you know God is love. If you're going to fellowship with the Father, he said, let me teach you how to fellowship with the Father because we fellowship with the Father and we want to teach you how to fellowship with the Father too. First John chapter five, verse three, this is what he said to you. It reads, for this is the love of God. Now stop, pause button, pause button. He said, now this is the love of God. Now, if somebody tells you now this is, then they telling you what something is. That's deep revelation, isn't it? If they tell you that this is, then they tell you it, th- this. This what it is. This good because they also telling you something else. That everything ain't what it is. This is what it is. Everything ain't what it is, but this is what it is. This is the love of God. Pause button on that we keep His commandments. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. This right here, right here, right here is the love of God that we keep his commandments. This is written by the apostle John. This is the one that laid his head upon the breast of Jesus. There wasn't nothing fruity and faggish about what he did. This is a man getting close to God in such a way where he was intimately related to God. He was intimately in fellowship with God. He knew what made his heart beat, and he knew what steeled his heart too. He knew what excited him and caused him to be excited, and he knew what caused him to move, out to, move him out of the way to get up and do what he got to do to handle what needs to be handled. You know, you know what I'm saying. Where is God? He knew what it was, and he's trying to tell us something. He's trying to, this is the love of God. And what is that? That you keep his commandments. Now, this is deep. This is written in the New Testament. Now, for the people that say that you ain't supposed to keep the commandments, praise God, somebody forgot to tell John because he wrote it in the New Testament. Praise God. Are you listening to me up in here? And he, in fact, he equated it with the love of God. He said, this is the love of God that you keep his commandments. And also, if, if you understood uh, when the order of, of, of books were written, not just the chronology of, of when they were uh, canonized, that I means put in, a, in, in, in the writ for me and you to get, but you knew what order that they was in, you know that these were the last of the last books that were written out of all the books that was written. When you read John's epistles, you're reading the last of the last of the books that was written, which means after everything else has been said, this is what God said, I'm going to make sure that you understand. From Why? Because false teaching had gotten to the church to begin to start telling people all kind of other stupid stuff other than what's true. And John, the one that laid his head upon the breast of Jesus, said, let me holler at you and let me tell you what it ought to do. Because I've walked with him, I've talked with him, I've touched him myself. And I know what it is that it's about. And let me tell you what it is. This is the love of God that you keep his commandments, that you do what he tells you to do. That you conduct yourself the way he wants you to, because this is the love of God. I told you it shows you what is and shows you what ain't. So I can say what ain't the love of God. What ain't the love of God is doing is not doing what he said do. I'll say too many of y'all don't know the word ain't. Let's go this. What isn't the word? Of, uh, what isn't the love of God? This isn't the love of God. I know how to be proper too. Praise God. I'm bilingual. You know <laughs> this isn't the love of God. Praise God. And what is that that you don't do? What God said do, because just like a, a nickel is five cents, whether it's heads or tails. If I can turn it one way and say this is the love of God that you that you do keep his commandments, I can flip it and say this is not the love of God, or there is no love of God where you don't keep his commandments. Because if you don't have the love of God, you will not keep the commandments. That's why God put it up in you and gushed it up in you. So you can have more than enough love to do what He said do. Because he knows the information wouldn't only be all that you need, but you would also need the, the motivation to be able to succeed. He shed it abroad in your heart. Are you listening to me up in here? That word love right there is talking about an affectionate love, a benevolent love, a giving love. This is what we're willing to do. This is this same that it was taken from me and you to do what God said. Dude, this is us giving and, and, and being affectionate toward God and doing what it is he wants us to do. And what do we do? We keep his commandments. Now, this word commandment is a deep word. It right here translates injunctions. That is authoritative prescriptions. Injunctions. That is authoritative prescriptions. Dr. Jesus is telling you exactly what he needs you to take. Dr. Jesus is telling you exactly what you need to do. That's if you want to live a long, healthy life like you want to. Doctors prescribe you things, not because they ain't got nothing else to do, not so that they can put extra charges on you. You might not believe that. It's still true. But they they prescribe you things for your sake, not for their sake, for your sake. If they give you a prescription and say, take two of these, praise God, every day, then you're supposed to take two of those every day if you want to live the way that they're trying to do. Because when they're telling you to do something, it's either to be able to solve something that's already there so that it can take it up out of there or so that they can add something to you that you're going to need that was missing that you need in order to be able to live the prosperous life that it is that you're supposed to live. So when God gives us a commandment, there's something he's either trying to get out of us that's in us that ought not be there because it's going to destroy us and cause us to not live the level of life that we're supposed to live or it's something that's trying to add something to us in order to be able to make sure that we have enough to be able to live the wonderful, prosperous life that God wants us to live. He told us if we do what he tells us to do, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. But in order to do that, you got to take the prescriptions of Dr. Jesus and do what he tells you to do. So when God tells you a word, don't be grumbling about it. That's if you want long life. Don't, don't be all complaining about it. That's if you want long life. That's if you want long life and you want it to be a good life, then you just do what he tell you to do and that thing to work out well for you. Is anybody hearing me up in here? But too many people want to second guess the doctor. You're going to go. You want to go on on Internet and just pull up some information that you found somewhere and try to live according to that. God said, no, I gave you exactly what I want you to do. If you do exactly what I tell you to do, then everything's going to work out well for you because it's an authoritative Prescription. It's not just a prescription, it's an authoritative prescription. He said, I'm authorized, deputized by God Almighty to be able to tell you exactly what to do. So my job now is to tell you what to do, and he's telling us what to do. All we got to do is do what he says do. He also told us it's an injunction, because that's the other part of it. It's an injun- injunction. That is an authoritative prescription. Now, the word injunction by definition means a judicial process or order requiring the person or persons to whom it is directed to do a particular act or to refrain from doing a particular act. I'll read that again. It is a, this is deep, but I'm going to make it undeep for you. Praise God, I'm going to bring it right to the surface. It is a judicial process or order requiring the person or persons to whom it is directed to do a particular act or to refrain from doing a particular act. Where God is the judge, He's the righteous judge. He's the judge that's always right. Who issues to us by way of his word, by way of his commandments, injunctions that require us to do or to refrain from doing particular acts. That require us to do or refrain from doing particular acts. I said they require us to do a particular acts. But it's our love for God that inspires us to keep those injunctions. See, an injunction comes our way. I might be doing something. Praise God, doing something on a given day. Praise God, but then an injunction comes my way. Here come the lawyer with the bailiff, praise God, and they hand me that injunction. And they open it up, and it says, I require you to cease and desist your activities that you're doing here. Which meant, no, I don't care how long I've been doing it. I don't care how right I thought while I was doing it. Once I read that injunction from that moment forward, I'm supposed to stop doing it because otherwise I find myself in contempt of court. If I find myself in contempt of court, one or two things may happen. Either I may be fined by the court because I came in contempt of the court. If I'm fined by the court, I lose what's already in my possession. I will lose a part of, if not some of, all of what's already in my possession. That's what the devil wants to do. The devil wants to make sure you don't fulfill the injunction that God gives to you because you will lose some of what you already have if you don't do what God said do. Why? Because the thief come not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. He will rip you off. If you do not do it, and the reason why, because if you don't do what he tells you to do, that's what he's trying to inspire you to do is not do what he, God said do. It's because he already know you're going to lose part of what it is that's just already yours. Just like if you don't do what the injunction says, they will find you and cause you to lose what you already have. Or you'll find yourself incarcerated in such a way where you find yourself jailed, if I can phrase it that way. You don't like the long word? I'll give you the small word. It's called jail. Praise God. You'll find yourself in jail. Well, wait a minute. What's a Christian doing in jail when God set them free? Because your lack of doing what God said will imprison you and cause you to not be able to move forward into what God has in store for you. So you lose freedom, lose lack of ability to go where you want to go and do what you want to do. Why? Because you refuse to operate according to the injunction that was given you. That's why when the injunction comes your way that tells you what to do or what not to do, you're supposed to do or, or don't do what it is that he tells you to do. You're supposed to do what it tells you to do and whatever it tells you to do, you're supposed to do it. If it tells you to do it, do it. Then if it tells you, tell you to stop doing it, stop doing it if it tell you to do it do it if it tell you to stop doing it stop doing it. now we understand that with all legalities like if sapd came and brought an injunction to you and me we would know how to operate according to that thing but how about if god almighty gives an injunction to me and you and says this is what i am ordering you to do or not do would be willing to do what he said do is anybody listening to me up in here God's given us injunctions by way of that word. And he's telling us, this is what I don't want you to do. Why? Because I don't want want you to lose your freedom. I don't want you to lose what you already have. I'm trying to get something to you. I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to get what I got for you. But in order to do that, you have to submit yourself to what I'm saying to you. Come on, y'all. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Is anybody hearing me up in here? It's an injunction that God gives to me and you. God is the judge who issues to us injunctions that require us to do or refrain from doing particular acts. But it's our love for God that inspires us to keep the conjunction. That's why he attached the two. He didn't put them in separate verses. He attached the two. Let's read it again. Verse three. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Why do you attach it with an "and"? Because I want you to understand. It's not just that he's going to give you an injunction of what to do, but understand what you do ain't going to be grievous. Especially since the love of God is already in you. See, it's the love of God that keeps the commandments from being grievous. But when the commandments are grievous, it demonstrates a lack of love. Because if the love was there it'd be the easiest thing in the world to do what God said to do. Amen. The word grievous means weighty. It means it's weighty. That is burdensome. It's grave. It's weighty. It's like it's, it's so heavy to carry. It's so hard to carry. It's burdensome oh lord it's grave it's just oh my god i gotta do the will of god oh my god i gotta do what god said do. oh my god i gotta go to church oh my god i gotta give oh no you don't got to precious you get to god is opening the door to you to be able to step into so much more to what he have in store for you everybody got a mission satan's mission is to steal kill and destroy god's mission is to make you a blessed woman a girl a boy are you listening to me up in here he came that you might have life, and that you're having more abundantly. So, since his mission is for you to have life, then everything he's going to tell you is going to be so that you can have life. Yes. Jesus is a the God is a is a burden remover ha, and a yoke destroyer. I, did you hear me? I said he's a burden remover and a yoke destroyer. Then, therefore, if he tells you to do anything, it's to remove the burdens, not place burdens upon you. Yes. It's not the burden to do what God said do. It's a burden if you don't do what God said do. That's when the burden kicks in for me and you. Are you listening to me? God is a burden remover and a yoke destroyer. What's burdensome is the result of not doing what God said do. Therefore, anything that God tells us to do is for the purpose of keeping us from being burdened. Not to burden me and you. It's to keep you from being burdened. Because God, remember, has an advantage you don't have. He can see the end from the beginning. And so since he can see the end from the beginning and he loves you, because remember, the only reason why you can love God is because he loved you first. And so what he does is because of his love for you, he'll tell you the end from the beginning and he'll probably bring it in a nice, concise way. Don't do this. Do that. For example, in scripture, he says flee fornication. He don't get into no long doctoral dissertation on it, no 75-page doctoral dissertation on it about fleeing fornication. He don't tell you nothing about baby mama drama, baby daddy drama. Is this really your baby drama? He don't tell you nothing about that. He he don't get into all of that. He don't get into child support, prayers, God, and and, 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 and you spending your days in court. He don't get into all of that. He leave all that alone. All, he don't deal with the fact that you sitting over there looking like puff daddy, puff mama, because you've been crying all the time. Because, you know, and then your baby don't know their mama, and their baby don't know their daddy. And then they go out and try to hang out with sweet daddy out in the street, praise God, because, because they didn't have daddy in the house. They, he don't talk about all that. All he say is flee fornication. He make it nice and simple, real concise. Two words, flee, run away, fornication, what you wanted to lay. Are you listening to me? And he makes it real simple for you. Ain't nothing hard about that. That's a real simple thing to do. Unless you don't love God like you are.
1: Well, that's all that we have time for today. I hope that you are blessed by what the word of God had to say. I hope that you're seeing that it's true. That God really does want all of us to be imitators of him. I hope even more that you're being inspired to do what you need to do to take advantage of the awesome opportunity to be more like God. So that we can live like Him and talk like He wants us to do. And enjoy the kind of life that He wants to live by me and you. That can only be lived when we're we'll more like God like He wants all of us to be and do. If you want to hear the message in its entirety, just go to the church office at Erico 210-785-9238. That's Code 210 785 Or write us at Word of Faith Christian Center, 1928 Bassey Road in San Antonio, Texas. 78213. We'd be more than glad to send it out your way right away. But it's always best when you can get it live. So if you're in or visiting San Antonio or surrounding areas, come on by and see us. We're located at 1928 Bassy Road in San Antonio, Texas, between West and Blanco. Service times are Wednesdays at noon. Thursday evenings at 645. Saturday afternoons at 430 and Sunday mornings at 8 and 11. If you don't have transportation or you're in need of a ride, we'll come and get you. We have a VIP transportation service that's available for every service. We'll pick you up, bring you to the church, and then drop you off at home after it's over. Just call the church office and arrange a ride. So come on through. You'll be blessed when you do, and we will too. And since we're talking about coming through, we invite all the sisters in San Antonio and surrounding areas to come out to our Blessed Women of God Breakfast Fellowship this Saturday morning. It's an all-you-can-eat breakfast at the Brothers from Word of Faith. Prepare for the sisters of Word of Faith. That's the best breakfast in town. It's one of my sisters that you don't want to turn down. Then after we feed you naturally, we're going to feed you spiritually too. With a powerful word from God, straight from heaven, just for the sisters. That's including you. There's no charge, but a free will offering will be taken. It starts at 9.30 a.m. sharp and it ends at 12 noon. Don't be late, that's if you want to play. Child care is provided at no charge. Need a ride? VIP transportation Service is available for this too. Don't so miss this awesome opportunity to allow the Brothers of Word of Faith to treat you like the queens you are by preparing for you and serving you a breakfast fit for the to you are. So come on through and bring a couple sisters with you when you do. You'll be so glad you did, and they will too. So come on through and let the Brothers of Word of Faith be a blessing to you at the Blessed Women of God Breakfast Fellowship this Saturday morning at Word of Faith SA. I guarantee that you'll be blessed when you do. Don't forget to tune into our broadcast tomorrow for more of this life-changing Word, we have in store for you. Call a neighbor, call a friend, tell them to tune in. But when you do, know that we're going to ask the same question of you. That is, are you ready for the Word? Y'all stay blessed. See you tomorrow.